What's up? My name is Alex Terranova. I am the host of the Dream Mason podcast. Welcome. We started this in 2017 because we wanted to highlight the journey of Dream Masons. There's a Dream Mason in all of us. A Dream Mason is someone who is awake to their dreams and driven by the passion, the purpose, and the desire to turn that dream into reality. We interview athletes, gold medalists, Super Bowl champions, artists, creatives, eight, nine-figure entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, and everyone in between. And sometimes we even walk them through challenges that they're currently facing. So depending on whether you're catching this as a regular interview or a playing with problems segment, there is something for you, whether you're at the peak of your journey, at the low point of your journey. I look forward to having you join me on this journey. And I hope that this show helps you unleash your inner Dream Mason. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I am coming off. Now, when this comes out, it will have been maybe a few weeks or a month or so since what I'm about to say happened, but I'm recording this the morning after the first Alchemy of Men men's group in San Diego was launched. And that is exciting. We've, I've, I've hosted men's groups in Ojai. I've hosted um, men's retreats. My partner in this work, Bob Conlin, has hosted uh, men's fire circles in Chicago. And for a long time, I've been saying I was going to host a live in-person men's circle because I am just tired of doing everything on Zoom um, in San Diego, but couldn't find the space, you know, was doing that thing that we do where we're like, I don't want to have it at my house. I don't want to have it in on, you know, my patio. It's not private enough. Uh, I don't want to do it at a park or at the beach, right? I'm coming up with all the reasons and all the excuses. And the thing is, I'm just not doing the thing that I'm really committed to doing and wanting to be doing. and. Uh, a little bit ago, I went on another ayahuasca journey. And one of the things I got on this ayahuasca journey was like, there's things you need to be doing. And one of them was yoga. And one of them was being with people in person. Like, this is how you're going to make a difference for people. And I really heeded those messages. And one of the first things I did when I came back was go to a yoga class, which I haven't done, which I used to do all the time if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, but I haven't done in a while. And as I'm at the yoga class, there's a sign on the studio wall that says rent, rent space in this studio. And I went, you gotta be kidding me. I was like, so perfect. Right. And I, and I know the owner of the studio and I, and I asked her, the studio is called Estea. It's in uh, Encinitas in, in San Diego. And I was, and I asked her, Christina, um, can I, can I use space in the studio? We talked about it. She was like, absolutely. And, um, now I had no more excuses, right? Now I got a space a big room, we could fit a decent amount of guys to a lot of guys. And I started sending out messages and I had about 10 or 11 guys say yes, immediately without really knowing one of the guys was like, I don't even know what this is. You know, what's a men's group? What's a men's circle? And last night we met for the first time. And I was pretty blown away. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say this before we move on. I didn't want to control the meeting because I think that's what so many people do. And then we confine what we share or what's okay to share or how people want to share. I wanted to like kind of set up a container or a box or if you will, a frame and then let the men have whatever space they wanted. And I was blown away. Uh, every guy opened up, every guy shared, almost every guy, the common themes were things like, I want more depth in my relationships. I'm tired of talking about sports. I'm tired of making fun of each other and just like, you know, like teasing each other constantly. 
I'm tired of just talking about my job. One guy was like, can we please just not talk about our jobs here? Um, everybody was so excited to not know that there was no other agenda, right? There's no selling going on. There's no recruiting going on. It was just a space to hang out, to talk about what's really going on for you, whether it's fun stuff or challenging stuff. And, you know, at the end of the meeting, um, every guy was like alive and nobody ran out the door and left and guys were talking to each other after and connecting. And I just really saw the value of this, but you know, women have been doing this forever. Women get together in groups and talk and share and men get together and stare at a screen or, you know, or, 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 or talk about the things that the same things they talk about all day long. And I really could see the value in, in the, the stress and the fun and the ease that got, created for these men and having this, this, this group and this circle. And I, I'm really grateful. And if you're, you know, people listening to this, if you're a man and you're like, man, I, I I'm interested in something like this, reach out to me, Alex at the dreammason.com. We are not only do we have them in San Diego and Chicago, but we want to put them together in other cities. Uh, I have my men's retreat. If that's something you're curious about, we also have a virtual men's group or if you're somewhere, you know, and you, want to connect with men, but you don't necessarily have that community around you. It's a great place to start and you can build from there. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, our guest today. She was not in our men's group. Um, <laughs> and uh, so she is, she is just hearing about this for the first time also. Um, but she has a interesting, and, and I don't know that it's unique because I think a lot of people are challenged by something like cancer. She her story and, and her survival, I think, is unique. Who she's become in it is unique. But I think almost every one of us knows someone who has either gotten cancer, has cancer, passed from cancer. Um, it's hard to find someone who doesn't have an experience in their life with cancer. And she has created something powerful around this. She is a speaker, a cancer coach, an author. She's a 24 year, very successful career as a nationally recognized interior, interior design firm. She was diagnosed with cancer, confined to a wheelchair and told that she only had three months to live. And she courageously changed the course of her future and her life and has gone to thrive for nine years. She's become a cancer coach and a voice for the revolution of pants, cancer patient care. She believes in supporting people inside and out to bring out their fullest potential. And she has a best-selling book, which is, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I'm holding it in my hands. If you're not watching, well, I just told you I'm holding it in my hands. Uh, it's called Your Dance with Cancer, Steps to Maximize Your Chance of Survival. Lindsay McDonald, thank you for being here. How are you? I'm fabulous. Thanks for being here. Very, very good day. And I am looking forward to working with you for the next hour. Thanks. Do you have any thoughts or to share anything? I like, I always love to just give, I, I kind of preambled for a minute about the the men's group and men. And obviously you're, you're, that's not what you do and you're not a man, but I, I'm always curious if anyone has any thoughts or insights or anything they want to share. I do. Please. Um, it doesn't matter that I'm not a man. What you did was for an hour, you changed their worlds. They were able to get back to who they are. The bigger picture of that is changing the whole world.
because we are all, even though you said women get together in groups, we are all at the mercy of exterior forces, whether it's work, whether it's ego, whether it is trying to prove that you're someone. And what you did in that group, it sounds like, is you brought them back to who they actually are. And if we could do that with the whole world, and I talk about it in cancer patients, that the doctors need to recognize who they are, not the disease. Um, we would be well on our way to healing the world. Thank you. Thanks for that. It's it's such a true, one of the things we did, which I kind of made up right before we went there. I was like, how do I want these guys to introduce each other to each other without the, how do we normally do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you live? Are you married? Do you have kids? What do you do for a living? Where are you from, right? Like, or And then somebody comes up with some silly icebreaker that tells us one little aspect of something, but doesn't really give us who they are. And the thing that I asked the, the guys, uh, one of the rules we had is, hey, you can't share what you do for a living. Now, eventually they'll know, right? It's not about keeping it a secret. It's about like, we size each other up. We, we make up stories based on that. But I asked each of the guys to write down five words that would describe who they are and tell us who they are, like adjectives. So... This is really interesting because yeah. about two years ago, I said, we have to stop asking, what do you do? Yeah. Nice to meet you, et cetera, and ask, who are you? And that's the same thing. It's mm -hmm. who are you, not any of the other things. Yeah. That's where a line should be. And it's, it was so interesting to hear, right? I didn't know how, and each, each guy's heard the question differently too, right? One guy wrote, like said, motorcycle enthusiast. And he, at one point thought that was wrong because he was hearing all of us say adjectives, right? Like love. And it wasn't wrong, right? That tells us something really about him. Now, if he said motorcycle, that would have been weird because he's not a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, it was like, and I love that. I love that each guy heard it a little differently and said their answers a little different. Each one, all of a sudden you could sit with them and go, oh, I like, no, right? Something this, about you. Something about you that you really believe is true to you. Um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And as I sat there, I started with, I did my own five. And as I sat there, I, I kept adding to the list, you know, as I was like, things were coming up and I was like, oh, I'm this also, you know, I don't recognize that part of me or whatnot. Um, it should be a world exercise. And really what I meant to say before was instead of saying, how are you, we should say, who are you? So that's, it's a great question. And I'd love to hear your answer. If we were to say, you know, I told people like the things you've done, the things you've overcome, your accomplishments. But if we said, who are you? What would you tell us? I would say I'm joyful energy. I am very grounded and um, very true to myself. I am a searcher. 
and I am, you know, it's interesting. I did this type of exercise years ago about who are you? And I came up with something from years ago and I found it about two months ago and I reread it and I was like, oh my God, this is what actually happened after I said that statement. So I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, and what I said about myself 10 years ago, after lots of digging, was I am a space of compassion, support, and understanding. I give space to those seeking peace to connect and find strength in their heart. I am support for people finding an authentic and fulfilled life. That was 10 years ago. That was before cancer. In the end, 10 years later, this is what I'm doing. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's interesting. And for, in my experience, it makes perfect sense that you became the thing that you said you were. I think, you know, in my, you, you coach people with, and support them around cancer. I coach them and support them around many, many things. And something that I, I, kind of have a gripe about a little bit is often coaches are focused on goals, goals, goals. And that's fine. Goals are great. And there's nothing wrong with goals. But what I notice is um, if we don't change who we see ourselves as, if we don't change like the our identity or, or we don't line our identity with who we want to become, those goals are irrelevant. Maybe we achieve them, maybe we don't, but they won't matter and that something that I do is it's like, like what you wrote is like supporting people to create that first. Who's the yep. vision of the man or the woman or the human, whatever, however you feel you are like who, what's the vision of that future self. And I, and I have that same, and that's from my own personal experience. Cause I remember nine years ago going, oh, I'm an asshole. I'm a, I'm a kind of not a great person and I don't like myself. And that gets projected out on, you know, everyone else. And I remember going like, I want to be a different man. I want to be a different man. You know, when, by, when I'm in my forties and my fifties, I want to be a different man. So who's the man I want to be? And that the goals all came next, right? Like be like having that target to aim at of like, that's the kind of man I want to be. And then all of a sudden I'm that man. And that guy produces goals that the other guy could have never even created. And the thing is, I truly believe it's, it, yes, there's remaking yourself, but what I really believe is it's coming back to the person that you are without all of the shit that mm -hmm. made you the asshole. You know, <laughs> it's really finding back your, I hate to use the word authentic, it's been too, it's been sure. overused now, but it's getting back to who you were born to be. And I would say that 99.99% of us are born to be kind, compassionate, uh, communicative, uh, connective. Um, I talk a lot about being born into a tribe which is what we used to be, right? Long, long, long time ago. Everyone, yeah, anyone. Yeah. 
And as someone once said to me, when you're born in that tribe, you wake up in the morning and there's 40 eyes looking at you. This was from Francis Weller. He's an excellent grief coach. Um, there's 40 eyes looking at you saying, what did you dream? Mm. We're excited for you to be here today. And when we're children, it's the same thing. You know, there's very, yes, there are people that are awful, but most parents are like, oh my God, this kid is the best. Oh, he fell down. I want to pick him up. You know, whatever. Uh, look at the sparkle. Oh, we got a smile. And then the world starts stepping in. Yeah. And crushes a lot of that. But it brings what we're talking about is bringing back that support, that feeling, that joyfulness that happens when we're born. Yeah, I think what I hear and what you're sharing, and I was just having this conversation with a really old friend, and she had this stance of people don't change. And I was like, people absolutely change, right? And I'm like, I change. I mean, I've known her for 20 plus years. I'm like, you've changed. And she's like, I haven't changed. I my na my nature is the same. I just started like I dealt with my anger issues and whatnot. So I behave differently now. And I was sitting with this as I was talking to her. And at first we were on I'm right, you know, different sides. And by the end of it, I was like, we're both really right here because I actually, what I heard her saying is, who my that asshole version of me was my shadow, right? It was those things that got created to protect me from Absolutely. the world, right? From the world. And that is part of who I am. It's a, it's it was my survival techniques that helped me in the in many ways. And then I got to a place where I was like, I don't need these anymore, right? Like I don't need these techniques. I'm actually safe and fine and way more capable than I thought. And I have all these other skills that I'm not taking advantage of. And I came back to them, which is a change, but also to her point, was already there. And I I I love that. You you said it the same way. It's like it's people, it's the both and we do change. And we the thing that we may change into was always who we were. It's not like I, I don't know if you've ever had this with any of your when you're working with people with cancer where they're like, but I want to be authentic. I don't want to not. And it's like, no, but you are more, you are actually a lot more than you think you are. So I'm going to talk to that for a yeah, second. please. After I got cancer, I did all the treatments. In theory, they thought it was clear. And before cancer, I was a person, not an asshole, but a person who could do anything. You know, I mean, people came to me for answers. You give me a challenge, I could do it. That's how I had adapted. You adapted into an asshole. I adapted into <laughs> a extremely proficient human. Okay. Both of those things were, were created. You and me, we created them to get through the world. So then I had a reoccurrence. After, like, everybody thought it was clear, I'm amazing, I had a reoccurrence. And it was like, whoa, how is that possible that the woman who could do anything was not able to make this cancer go away? What is it doing back here? And why does it not recognize my skills? 
And again, I talked to somebody and she said something very good. She said, you know, all of those skills you've been using, they're your toolbox, but it's time to reach deeper into the toolbox and find the other tools, the tools that are naturally you. And I was like, that is perfect. But the good news is when you do need the other tools, you still have them. You just became, instead of having 10 tools, you have 30 and 20 of them don't even, aren't even heavy. It was said to me once a long time ago in this similar style as like, if you were building a house, you wouldn't hit everything with a hammer, right? right? When you get to the plumbing, a hammer is going to cause a lot more problems and it's going to help you. But we get so attached to our hammer or whatever we use that we are unwilling to put it down and you know, pick up a wrench or whatever else is available. And uh, just so you know, this is, I'm not just a cancer coach. I'm also motivational coach. Mm -hmm. And, but this is what we talk about. It's not, sometimes it's about a goal, but very quickly it becomes, okay, let's take a look at you. Let's really look at your skills, what nourishes you what stresses you, who you are, and then make the goals. I'm curious to, to just to get your take on this. Um, you know, I have a, a deep personal belief that anything that happens with my body starts with my own mind. So when I, you know, and, and whether it's a I'm sick or I hurt my shoulder or whatever, that it's it's there's some sort of man it's almost like there's some manifestation that go that and often to heal that thing i need to deal with right that often especially in western culture the ways we deal with it are just like band-aids on symptoms instead of the what's actually going on what's your like take on that especially you know with something like cancer i have a couple of different takes um i don't think you can uh lump it all into one group. For some people, absolutely. And what's happened, it's not just your mind. Your mind is causing stress. Mm -hmm. The stress is affecting your cells and damaging them. That's where we get one form of cancer is created that way. So you're not wrong. Mm -hmm. um, there are other people who have a genetic disposition to it. Um, maybe they have a mutation and yes, if they didn't think about it, would it have still happened? Much of cancer is about your immune system. Trying to keep your immune system as healthy as possible so that cancer doesn't have a place to roost. Mm -hmm. We don't think about that all the time. And so those genetic predispositions find a home and then they start to mutate and grow. So there's that group. There's the group of, I, I, I'm one of them in a way. I had a breast reduction 25 years ago. There was scar tissue created. That scar tissue is where my cancer started mm. because 
the cells were damaged. So I fully believe what you're saying is one group that, yeah, they start focusing in, right? They start causing stress in their body. Where the mind goes, the energy flows. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, one of the things I work with in coaching is that particular point. You know, this is where the mind goes. We need to get you back centered so you're not doing that. But um, that's my thoughts on that. There's just a lot of different ways that sure. cancer can happen. And I fully believe in yours as well. What has made you, like you personally, you know, your story is you should not still be here according to the, right, the, the medical model, not, not according to your opinion, clearly, um, or, or the universe or God, whatever you, whatever take, but you're here. What do you believe has you be here when like the odds or the numbers or the doctors said you shouldn't be? I know exactly what it is. I did not interact with fear, okay? I did not go into this as scared I was going to die. I went into this as a scholar, I would say. What's going on in my body? What do I need to be thinking about? What do I need? How can I participate in this journey? I hate that word journey, but I don't got another one. <laughs> and um, fear is very, it's draining. It's exhausting. It's not going to help your health in any way because it's also going to be part of stress. And I just cho chose not to interact with it. It was like cancer was a project. I've done plenty of projects in my life. I was going to look at this as a project. And so as that person looking at it as a project, I went outside the box. I went, okay, if this is not working, let's see what other things could be working. Mm. And I only went with evidence-based um, solutions. So a lot of people will be like, don't eat sugar. I would need the evidence in order to go down that road. So I brought to my oncologist all kinds of evidence-based things. And since she was actually losing me because I was dying, um, she took a look at them and said, go for it. Mm -hmm. So curiosity is why I haven't died. I love that. When I don't know, I don't, I don't actually know this. Are you still confined to a wheelchair? No. Um, after, so I, I did treatment in many places. The first place out of the United States was a place in Vienna and they had a very different type of treatment. And three weeks after I showed up in the wheelchair, I was able to walk. Hmm. Now I wasn't able to walk long, but two weeks after that, I went to Venice with my kids and I walked for three days before I had to take a rest. So nope. And I haven't been back in a wheelchair since. I'm just curious, you know, that, that like when you, when that was, when the ability to walk and move around was taken, what was the, 
you know, for me, that is personally like scarier than death. Like that, you know, it, it just as a, on a personal level, right? Like I think about other people, like my dad, I can, is very afraid of death. I'm not so afraid of death. The idea of not being able to live my current life the way I do is, is much more terrifying. What was, what was it like for you? Okay. So one of the reasons it's terrifying, I, I would think for you, please let me know if I'm not correct. Is that loss of control, the loss of fun, the loss of your life? Sure. Fear. Fear. Yeah. So for me, I really lived in the present. And when you're living in the present, it is a very different feeling as you're having to go through it. So being in that wheelchair was just being in that wheelchair. Mm. It wasn't, it didn't cause me fear. It was not fun, but it didn't cause me, it didn't change who I was. It, because I was living in the present, I wasn't living in, oh, I'm so scared of death. I'm so scared of this. Oh, am I going to die from this? Oh, oh, oh. I was just going through my days working on figuring out what to do. What gave you that ability? Because living in the present is probably a bigger challenge for your average person than almost anything else. What did you know? It's I'm almost, I'm listening to you and I'm like, you know, did you spend time in a monastery before, before this? What, what, what trained you in this or gave you, has taught you to be able to be in the present? Yeah. The biggest thing is I realized that carrying negative things about the future, I didn't want to invite that to the party. And it wasn't helpful because as we just said, where the mind goes, the energy flows. And it became very clear to me that worrying about, I'm going to use shit, worrying about shit, wasn't going to get me healthy. And it wasn't going to let me relax and let my cells heal. It was going to be a constant state of stress. And I know evidence-based stress will kill you. So I took it to heart. Hmm. And I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. It doesn't get you anything. Yeah. Mm. Does that help? Yeah, I, it's, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. You know, we don't trust ourselves. Yeah. It's, it's, it's endemic in this United States. I don't know where else I can only talk to here. But, you know, we have been taught to let the ego lead. The ego being all of the skills that we have accumulated to get through life. And the reality is, in order to live in the present, you have to get back to who you are. Just like we talked before. And when you are there, it's much easier to concentrate on the day-to-day, on the hour-to-hour, the minute-to-minute without trying to rush in and, um, and make yourself feel better. 
It's mm-hmm. just, you don't have to solve it. You just have to be it. And in the being, you're going to get your power back. And some of those fears are never going to come to fruition because you've gotten your real power back. Yeah. I've had some powerful experiences and lessons where the things I was most afraid of never happened. And the lesson was, this is usually how it goes. The things that sometimes, right, the things that we fear happen, and then we get to find out who we are and how strong we are and how capable we are. And sometimes, or I should say most of the time, the things that we most fear never actually happen, but yet we experienced all the things that we would have experienced had they happened in the before expecting them to happen or being a fearful. And I decided I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. I decided that was a waste of my energy. And that was the biggest thing for me. I needed my energy to actually get through this and to get to where I am today. And I was not going to waste it, not even for an instant on what could happen. Now, I'm going to temper that with the story. Oh, a couple of months ago, my numbers, my cancer numbers jumped, indicating something terrible. So I freaked, okay? This this was me future thinking and freaking. I got into my bed, pulled the covers up, and I sat with it. Sat with it for three days. And then I went back to being in the present. I couldn't escape it completely. I needed to honor those feelings and not be scared of them. But after I had done that, I was able to go back to present and figure out what we needed to do. Mm. I'm not saying that you can never think about Mm -hmm. this. Not at all. But it has its time and place. Limit it to that and move on. You know, now that you're here and you've overcome... Well, I shouldn't say you're overcome. You've overcome a lot and you are continuing to overcome, right? You're as long as we're alive. Full of cancer. Doing it. Full yeah. of cancer. Um, what do you find like your biggest challenge, your biggest struggle in life currently is? This is going to sound terrible. I have less bandwidth for the world. Hmm. Um, I can't deal with bullshit. I can't deal with huge drama about nothing. I need, and my goal is to start getting people back to themselves, their, their heart, their soul, because it's like noise to me. Now, that's not like I won't take on somebody that is really lost and spinning and coach them, but I can't let what's going on with them affect me in any way. Hmm. What is, 
I feel like they can use this where I feel like you'll get you'll get this. But what does it trigger? The drama, the like worldly kind of chaos, nonsense, bullshit. Like what does it trigger in you? Great question. Um it triggers what I see is panic. And there were times I would say that I was in panic. And it was so unhelpful. And it was, it triggers watching these people disintegrate and, and feeling very bad as I watch this. And that's hard for me to watch that. To watch people like disintegrate. Yep. It's really hard for me. Yeah. Is it the, you know, you made me think of when you said that it, it, what came up for me is I spend a lot of time talking to men. Um, and, and this, I, I shouldn't even preface this with men. This, I get this with both, with many groups of people, men, women, and, and everyone in between uh, that, you know, I'll say, you know, what do you choose? What do you declare? Like, what's what's going to happen in, you know, in your future? And they'll say something to the effect of, well, in a 30 days, I'm going to be here. And, and then I'm going to decide what happens next. Or depending on if I get this job or depending on what happens with this. And what I notice, right, is is inside of that, they they are conditionally creating their life based on how things may or may not go versus this is how i'm going to live my life and this is what i'm going to do regardless right you don't you don't you wouldn't have said i'm going to get better from cancer if this happens you were like i'm doing this thing right and i notice that i get triggered and 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 pulled because i'm like oh my god you know it's like uh there's like a patheticness to this is your life, like write the map I can't out. Do that exactly. Yeah, like write the map. Now it might not go the way you designed, but if you're not willing to say where you're going, then you just get tossed around. Exactly. Um, and there's a part of me that it gets triggered because it's like there's a there's a helplessness, like I can't do anything for them. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And it, you know, to watch it, them disintegrate, and I'm gonna. St- stick with that word it's so painful because because they're they're not being able to live with joy they're they're just and that's where that's where our power comes from not in this mishigash of oh well what did that mean what they said I can't, it is literally painful. It's like watching somebody stab themselves over and over and not being able to take away the knife. Hmm. You know, I don't know what I do to necessarily get out of this. I just recently had a situation where I was like sharing with my wife, like about a person that is metaphorically stabbing themselves with a knife. And I was just like, I don't have any more energy for them. Like, I'm just, I just like, I, like I'm going to go put my energy to somebody who actually will like 
they might be holding the knife, but they're willing to let go of it, right? They don't know what yeah. to do, but they're like, and um, what do you do though when you're, when you're, there's a, cause this is, comes up a lot, right? A lot of people are really challenged. They're really stuck. They're really suffering. And, and that's where they are. I don't want to make where they are wrong, but they also are, are saying they don't want to be there, but they won't let you take the knife away or they won't put it down. Well, a couple of different things. I have one woman I've been working with for four years. She doesn't have cancer, but the knife is getting smaller. The stab wounds are shallower. Four years so far in this. Yeah. Maybe we'll get her to drop the knife. The other people that, that get angry when you challenge it, the people that end up not appreciating what you're saying and doing, you get rid of. And that's a very hard thing to come to terms with. One of my best friends could not hear what I was about and what I was working on with her. And, and I couldn't stand to be with her in her dimension, whatever, in her stabbing, because she was often turning the knife on me too. And um, I had to make a decision what was best for me. What do you so do? I say goodbye. What's the part of that you do for like your own kind of like mental health or to bring you back, right? Because sometimes we're we're in this, I want to say like we're in the trenches with these people. And when we come out, we're like, it's like we gave, you're tired, you've given something up. You gave a lot of yourself to the support of somebody who, whether they took it or not, what do you do to kind of like refill your cup? I always have my clients do this first. I make a list. I have a list of what truly nourishes me about where I am in flow where I am at peace, where I need to be, what I need to listen to. And for me, as embarrassing as that is, it's my bed. So I get into my bed, I listen to the music that I want to listen to, and I stay there until I feel regenerated. Mm -hmm. And I don't judge myself for that. I know that this is healing. So if I'm in there for two days, three days, <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't worry about it because I know that when I get out, okay. first of all, I'm doing for me what I would do for others, mm -hmm. right? I would teach them how to nourish themselves. So whatever it is, whether you go for a hike to make yourself feel better, whether you go here, a bit, whatever it is in the world that makes you feel joyful and like you're re you know you're filling up the gas tank i suggest people go there and that's what i do i go to bed i don't sleep i just do all my work in my bed because it first of all i was an interior designer the room is beautiful there's nothing around me <laughs> that distracts from and and you know it's it's interesting i also tell people that that you need to make the environment around you nourish you so if you have an ugly lamp in the corner get rid of the ugly lamp so every day you don't say oh that lamp is so ugly 
get rid of it. Make your home a, a really safe space for you. Mm. And I don't mean space uh, safe, somebody's going to break into it, but a place where you can just be you without disturbances. I was just reading how if you feel stuck, the first thing is to just like look around at your environment and like, where is your environment stuck or messy or cluttered? Yes. I'm sitting here and I'm looking around my office and I'm like, I should clean up. Well, because it makes a difference, yeah. you know, for all of those piles, basically you want your mind to be able to function in a straight line or yeah. wherever you want to take it, but you don't want things taking it away from you. And, you know, when I have a big pile of papers, I know, let me just go through them and then I won't be thinking about them anymore. And then the space that thinking about them was taking up in my mind can be used for something else, something that's good for me. Yeah. You know, I notice for me, there's like always more, and this is just like life, there's always more coming, right? The papers that pile up are usually like things that come in the mail that, you know, whether you need them or not, whatever, they come in the mail, they start stacking up. Um, I write a lot of notes on post-its. And, and there are things that in the moment I might need to remember, but then like a week's go by and I'm like, what is I have, this? yeah, I have, I, I still know what it means, but if it was so important that I needed to write down, why have I not done anything about it in two or three weeks? Um, and in, and on the surface, it's like, oh, these things aren't important. But as, as you were talking, I was kind of looking, I have a, yeah, I was like looking around my space and I have this great room that I'm in and meditate in it and I work in it and podcast in it. And I'm looking around and I'm like, Oh, that's like the spaces that's like it, you know, metaphorically, right. It's like those spaces in your body or your mind that you're just like, not letting the shit go. Exactly. Uh, and exactly. if, it, if, and if, if it doesn't need to be let go, if there's something that needs to be done with it, do something with it. Do something about that. Yeah. Or let it go. Exactly what I, you, yeah. you're speaking the absolute truth of my thinking to you because things take up room in your head. It's the same with those people that can't stop stabbing themselves. This idea is taking up room in their head yeah. and they need to let it go so that they can get back to whatever, their selves. I once had a, this is funny. I once had a, was being hypnotized for stress. Um, and this hypnotist was like, imagine yourself on a beach. I hate beaches. I hate them. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no fucking way that this is going to go well. And I had to stop it and tell them that's not my place of peace. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting to know what you need, not what other people think you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good, that is a really good tip and and even to know that like where you are is like exactly where you're supposed to be exactly even if it's not where you want to be which i think it's it's that's one of my biggest challenges is you know i want to be over there and where i am isn't bad but it's not where i want to be and that actually 
you know, we're convinced that we think, oh, but we should be over there. And it's like, no, you should be exactly where you are. There's a reason that you're right here. And if you were over there, there'd be a reason that you were over there. And you know what I found when you're on the right path, when you have found whatever it is that's inside of you and you're clear, things just fall in front of you that are good. And so you take advantage of the next thing and the next thing. And pretty soon you get over to where you want to go. And to look back, I mean, when you, how long is this, how long has this journey been for you? Uh, Like, when did this cancer journey start? Mm, 10 years ago. And I still am full of cancer. I think that's really important for people to know because I'm living an incredibly joyful life. Mm. And I don't think about it. I don't think about the cancer. I don't think about until something happens. I don't really need to concentrate on that because that would take up a lot of room in my head and I have other things to do. Yeah. And there's, and, and it sounds like there's not, it's not like there's something you can go do about it. It just is the way it is. You know, you can do as much as you want about it, but that doesn't mean we have a big lesson to learn in the world is that we have no control. Mm. Everybody thinks they do. Nobody does. And so again, it's better to just be because even if I worked my hardest to make sure it didn't happen again, there is no guarantee that it's not going to happen again. Well, I think what you're saying too, is like that we, there is a place that we have control. It's in the, where you put your mind and your energy and your heart to the things, yes, right? Like, like we don't get to say, you know, I have this, these groups of men and I can't control whether there are crappy men out there who want to keep doing things the way men have done them for a long time. That clearly has not worked because look at the world and, and yet I can't control that, but I can go, Hey, I'm going to do what I'm doing right now and make a difference for myself or for others in the way. And and that's it. Right. And like, and focus that's on when we started this conversation, yeah. you said, I said to your question, what did you think of the preamble? And I said, it's a step. Yeah. It's a step to bring people back to who they are. And I wish, I hope that we can get there. When even in the, even in the doing of it, I'm present to like, it feels better than it, than the, uh, the, than the nothing or the, than the doing nothing or the taking no action or looking at what's wrong. Right. I could spend all day looking at the problems men create in the world and the problems women create, like the problems we all create. Right. Or I can do something. And even if it's one little speck of sand in the, in the, in the, in the cosmic universe, energy wise, it's like, well, I put my energy to that little, right? Like you're, you can't control the cancer, but you get to put your piece of energy, right? To I'm going to live a good life regardless of it. And I'll tell you, that goes back to what I said earlier, what you're doing when you are doing that is nourishing yourself. Mm -hmm. That's where you're feeling good. Yeah. And that's, With me, that's where I feel good. I couldn't spend all day looking at problems, but I could spend all day talking to people who are having problems 
about how to stop. Yeah. What would you like to, do you have any, like a last word or anything that you would really like to share with the audience? Maybe it's something you haven't shared yet, or you haven't shared on any other podcast or show or airplace. I'm thrilled to know that there's somebody else there, you, doing the same things. Because the more of us that get it, the more people we will touch and they may get it too. Yeah, thanks. It's one of my favorite Sometimes I, I, I ask myself why I do, why I do this, why I podcast, you know, people, people reach out to me, uh, at this point, I've been doing this for almost five years or like, it'll be five years. I don't know. We're going to hit 300 episodes. There's a lot, there's a lot of energy, a lot of time, money, you know, whatever. And the thing you don't often get back from a podcast is is the return that you put in, in terms of the resources. But what you do get back is. Uh, possibility and opportunity is that on a regular basis, I sit with people who are doing something that matters either in the world or to themselves. And they're people that are focused on the difference they can make, optimism, possibility, change. And right, they all acknowledge the challenges that we all face, but they're like, I'm not going to sit here and focus on what's wrong. I'm going to focus on what I want or what I want to create. And I think for me, this is healing because it's just a reminder, right? It's a reminder of my thoughts go dark. My thoughts, I go back to my <laughs> the other day. Days. Yeah, my other day, my wife got mad at me because she was playing something and I got really righteous about my opinion about the thing we were listening to. And she said to me, you know, it's it's really hard sometimes to be with. You're very bold. You're very opinionated and you're not afraid. A lot of people would hold, would, would, would dance around it. You just throw it out there. And she goes, and it, it's, and I'm like, yeah, you, you like hate me in those moments. And we were talking, she goes, it's just not who you are. I see you with those same kinds of people and you're open and you're loving. And I said to her, I was like, I think I have to get it out when we're like here, it's that, that asshole. There's that, that part of me exists. It doesn't go away. It doesn't that like cynic, pessimistic, petulant teenager inside of me, energy needs to come out and I don't want to do it on a podcast or out in the world with people. Cause I don't want to hurt. I don't want to hurt people's feelings or make people feel right. bad. But if I do it in my home, right, it's contained, it's safer. The energy gets to spill out. And then when I show up with people, I get to be cleaner. Now, on the other hand, she has to be, she has to be with them. Um, uh, but I think that, yeah, I think this is a very, this is one of those places where you and, and the guests that show up, are get to remind me of regardless of what we're dealing with that we get to choose who we're going to be about it and the stand that we take and that most of us aren't dealing with a whole body of cancer or 10 years of cancer the things that we're dealing with are are we most of us would probably choose our problems over that but sometimes we have to be reminded like wow how lucky of a problem that we do have it's still our problem it's still challenging for us but you but know, you said something that yeah, I want to respond to, who we choose to be. Hmm. I think the right statement for that would be how we choose to know ourselves. 
Because when we do know ourselves, it's a much easier, you don't even have to choose it. You just are. Mm. I'm going to have to sit with that. I love, I, I love the idea of choosing the, like we get to. I know you do. Yeah. It's like a I really numerous yeah. times. Yeah. And it's a really, it feels very powerful for me. Like I, we get to choose, you get to choose. This is your, it's one of your powers. And I all, but I love what you're saying. Like know your, who you know yourself to be. Yep. Mm. Because I'll tell you why. Um, that asshole was a yeah. veneer, okay? Sure. Yeah. You chose it. You could chose another veneer and do that one, which would be a better choice, let's say, mm. or a kinder choice. But either way, you want to get out of the veneers. You want to get to the heart. Mm. But you could sit with that. Well said. Thanks. Lindsay, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your challenges. Um, thank you for writing this book. Um, you know, there's a world, like I said, I don't, I don't know a human who doesn't know somebody who is not either experiencing cancer or has experienced cancer or you know, it's in their circle. I mean, find me someone like that. And that is a unicorn of a human being. Um, but this book is just loaded with, with your experience, with your wisdom, with ways that you can help people and things people can do. Um, where can people, I know they can get it on Amazon, your dance with cancer. That's where, where they, they get it. I don't know how to get it anywhere else. <laughs> where can they find you? Oh, me? Yeah. Um, so my email is Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, at yourdancewithcancer.com. I have a webpage called yourdancewithcancer.com. I have a Facebook page called Your Dance With Cancer. So I've made it pretty easy for people to find me. Thanks for being here again. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for who you are and what you do and how you remind us of what's possible despite the challenges that we all may face. My pleasure. Um, to the listeners, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Please go check out yourdancewithcancer.com and everything Lindsay's up to. Um, and who do you know that needs to hear this episode? Who can you share this episode with that it could make a difference in their life? Thank you, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.